0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tech Talk with VLink podcast, brought to you by V-Link, Inc. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everybody. Joining us today for Tech Talk with V-Link are two distinguished guests who I'm really excited about. As we continue our discussion on the ever-evolving world of chat GPT, we'll talk with assistant professor-in-residence at the award-winning Digital... Media and Design Department at the University of Connecticut, John Murphy. Professor Murphy has over four decades of experience in the high-tech industry, including founding a software services company. He has since founded the Social Media Analytics Center at the University of Connecticut and initiated the digital ethics curriculum. He is currently collaborating with industry leaders to promote a safer and healthier digital experience. We'll also be speaking to the General Manager of Slalom in Hartford, Jim Goldslager. Jim is a Senior Consulting Executive with more than 25 years helping companies plan, develop, and execute core business strategies while developing professional and passionate teams. One of Jim's specialties is technology transformation. Welcome to you both. I'm so excited to have you both here.
1: Thanks, Tracy. It's good to be here. You're welcome.
2: And agree. Thank you for having us.
0: Sure. Well, let's get started. I know there's been so much discussion surrounding the topic of ChatGPT. GPT. It's, it's just evolving at lightning speed. Professor Murphy, let's start with you. Last month, you addressed a conference in Florida about this very topic. Give us some of your thoughts on GPT and how it's evolving and taking over the IT landscape.
1: Well, there's a couple of ways to look at um, Tracy. One is in the classroom and then one is in the business world. In the classroom, uh, I'm encouraging the students to use it. Uh, where I'm encouraging encouraging them to find out where does it work, where does it doesn't work, where does it fit, where does it not fit, is it right, is it wrong, is it saving you time, is it allowing you to do more critical thinking, and that also challenges me to uh, teach in a different way. Now, some of the students are using AI and GPT. In the business world, what I found in Miami was there's a a significant concern about ethics. You know, where are we going, what are the guidelines, what are the regulations, There's a lot of concern. I know we're going to get to it today uh, about bias, amongst many others. Um, but people are—they're happy with the technology. They're thrilled about the possibilities. But just like when any new technology comes upon the scene, there's a little fear that goes along with it, and it's warranted.
0: Absolutely. And, and, you know, we're going to bring Jim's perspective in here shortly re- regarding that business side of things and the ethics. But Professor Murphy, let's just continue from a higher education standpoint, because I love hearing your perspective. Some would say the problem with CHAT-GPT models is that ca- they kind of perpetuate that some gender, racial, and other kinds of social biases. You know, some scholars have pointed out, and I'm sure you've done studies yourself, that when GPT is used to... Yeah, their data, even for like assignments, articles, essays, that kind of stuff. It kind of might give some biased output. Can you speak to that?
1: Sure, it, it does. Um, AI and chat GPT specifically is not a finished product yet. It's, you know, it's just being launched into the general public to use. So it's okay. not perfected. It's not a finished product yet at all. And it does come with biases. The way it's it's not a magical System. It's created by humans and it's collecting data that's on the existing internet and all the various data sources that have been out there for years. And it has humans who are also coding and correcting it to teach it. So the data that's out there on the internet and the humans that are uh, configuring it, we all come with biases. So if we have a lot of people of a certain gender or a certain age group or a certain background, where the data originates, then the results are going to be biases. So what I yeah. what I encourage the students to do when they use ChatGPT specifically is treat it as a muse. Treat it as something where, you know, you have someone sitting with you, it's providing you some information, it might spark some ideas, it, you might look at it and double check the data or the result set to say, hmm, that doesn't ring true to me. So treat it as a muse and not as an end result.
0: So kind of challenge it a little bit. I mean, yeah, you know, exactly. don't don't take it like you said as, as the gold standard. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, some things it does really well. It might clean up a paragraph for you in a nice yes. way. Great, clean up some content for you in an easy way. Great, saving you time. But if you're using it for research, um, don't take it verbatim. Don't take it that it's always going to be right. Treat it as a muse. Spark some thoughts then go to some further research yourself Um, so maybe it encourages you to do better more definitive or deeper work Uh, but it does come with biases at this point in time for sure and there's a lot of reasons for that that we could you know go down a rabbit hole on but um, there are biases out there it's just part of the it's part of the beast right
0: now for sure and that's why you know we definitely want to bring jim goldslogger in thanks jim for being patient and get your viewpoint. You're the GM of Slalom. Slalom is a well-respected international business and technology consulting firm located in here in Hartford, but you've got places all over the US and, and international. Your motto is building better tomorrow for all. And recently you guys have been advising companies on how to thrive in turbulence, so to speak. And I imagine that this is kind of a turbulent time for some clients trying to implement GPT layer into their teams. What are you telling them?
2: Yeah, thanks, Tracy. And absolutely everything John talked about, we certainly talked about. I think every client conversation I have has uh, an AI element to it these days both the disruption of gpt but also uh the other economic factors and how they may play together uh, i would call this you know one of several instances over the years touting the revolutionary nature of ai and machine learning but this one's different because it's been put in the hands of the public with gpt And so it's not just technology executives talking about it anymore. CEOs, business executives, they're asking the probing questions of their teams and their teams are kind of scrambling to answer them. That message, yeah. It's fitting though in these times because it presents that opportunity to dramatically improve the productivity of employees and the experience of customers. But it's not a silver bullet and and John really touched on many of the reasons why it's not yet. It's not for everything yet.
0: Uh, and we hope maybe it, it won't be even in the future correct. because if, if it's for everything that it could replace us, you know what I mean? That's what I, I know people have concerns about that. And and I don't know if you've heard that from some of your clients, you know, when you look at kind of the, the business landscape and how does a business, you know, balance the ethics and, and replacing people, what do you what do you tell clients when they start asking those types of questions?
2: Yeah, they they shouldn't be thinking about it in terms of replacing uh uh employees it should be how do they free them up to do something more meaningful uh do it in a more productive manner that it the george jetson example is not yet there uh <laughs> But this is a journey of many steps, but it has to be done in a way that's going to enhance the experience. And so today's about finding the low hanging and safe fruit that can make for the big wins to grow momentum uh, while all the guardrails, ethical and otherwise and the capabilities for broader adoption are put in place. There are things that can be done now that they can take advantage of and learn. And it's very much in that assistive kind of world,
0: mm-hmm, for sure. What do you hear from clients on the ethic part of it? Ethical part of it. What are they concerned about? What are just throw out some examples real quick?
2: Yeah. So I I know you've spoken uh, had other episodes around AI that that have kind of distinguished between um you know as an example the uh, the one that many of us see today the idea of the promise of autonomous driving for vehicles. It's not there yet. Uh, Elon Musk has promised it. It's going to be this year for, what, seven years in a row now? Mm Mm-hmm. But what we do have is assistive driving with AI engines. And so that companion to uh, employees and us as a consumers, that's the lens that we're telling businesses to think about it. John highlighted the the issue so well. Uh, it still requires human being good judgment, yes. human being editing, checking, balancing to really arrive at what are appropriate direct to consumer messaging options or things that they need to apply to their own process analysis kind of one of the simple ways that we i I think about it and i've sometimes used us this as uh for many of us of a certain generation, those of us who remember Microsoft Office's Clippy, who was intended to be the companion assistant making you more productive, uh, the, we all loved the promise of Clippy. It was exciting, but the actual capabilities were kind of disappointing. So we ended up disabling it for us. Are you, are you I,
0: talking about the little paperclip guy?
2: Yeah, the little oh, yeah, paperclip yeah, guy. No. Remember, okay. like, do, do you want I help do. doing yeah. X? You're like, that's not yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah. But I think we can look at GPT as the rise of clippy that assistance make you more efficient john hit on it like the suggestive text or completing a thought or how might i say something better Uh, as i'm looking at all this process all this data that i have to evaluate to do my process steps how can it be summarized better how can there could be suggestions of things for me to consider versus the decisions it's making
0: and and Professor Murphy, let's go back to, to you real quick, because you're you're so engrossed in this, in the classroom and in the business world. Um, gives you know, how do you marry the two up? I mean, what how what are you dealing with right now? As because this thing is evolving really fast, and sometimes you feel like, or I don't know if we can get guardrails in fast enough.
1: Well. The reality is the guardrails won't be in fast enough from a legislative perspective. What I'm trying to do, both in the classroom and with clients, is just like Jim said, said, let's not pause because, you know, this thing is moving quickly. And I know a lot of students and or businesses want to leverage it, but let's leverage it like Jim was sharing. Let's take the low hanging fruit that can make us more productive. Maybe we can use uh, that free time to do some critical thinking that we couldn't do before because we were so busy. But in a parallel to that, Tracy, I'm working with organizations that can come up with regulations for industries. Maybe we can be certified that if, if I'm an AI company creating a tool, that I follow certain certifications of transparency, et cetera. I'm transparent with the public. How did I make this tool? You know, What um, data sets do I use to create the tool? And then for those who use my tool, you know, they can say it's a certified uh, product, you know, so there's that's a parallel path because so we have the usability path the companies that are producing the products maybe have some certification paths then at the same time industry has certifications the legislative path the governmental path is the longest uh tail in this process now right now europe is going through their ai act which may get enacted you know before the end of the year which is interesting europe has always Mm -hmm. been ahead of us when it comes to data privacy it looks like they're going to be ahead of the united states when it comes to AI um, regulation. But having said that, we, you know, the, the world that Jim and I are in, we can't wait for government regulation. Uh, we have to you know, advise our clients and our students as to how best to use it and, you know, try to create some self-regulations.
0: And you, I mean, either of you can answer this or, or both. What would the uh, problem be with waiting? What, happen, what would happen if we did wait?
1: Well, we found that out with social media. Um, I'm a huge advocate of social media for good. Um, but the theory technologically over the last 40 years, since Jim and I have been in this business, is let's go as fast as we can until it breaks, then we'll figure it out. With social media, now AI, if we do that, we found out what happens. Data privacy is a nightmare. We have all types of UI issues, mm-hmm. mental health issues, democracy at risk issues. And with AI, it's going to be even you know, more challenging. So we don't want to go as fast as we can and then break it and then see how it works. We really need to uh, get on top of this now.
0: Reel it in a little bit. Jim, would you have anything to add to that?
2: I would plus one that uh, entirely. <laughs> and at the same time, it's not close the door and don't do it. Uh, Because it's out there, it's going to happen. And so where are those safe spaces? Where are those places that you can have a high degree of confidence in? Where do you already have guardrails on something? that you can expose like i i think about the example of uh you know where a company could explore um let's say that i wanted to go for a weekend to a resort and i'm looking to do it as economically as i can and i go to that company's website so i'm using their publicly available site and the data they make publicly available and i'm conducting my own searches saying, well, let me look at this weekend. Let me look at five different weekends that I might be available, which is the right one. We are communicating with them through all of their public data, the way the digital interface has said you must interact with us. That's something they could immediately apply, chat. GBT to other engines like it and say, actually, the way humans interact, the way we always wanted the digital interface to work, but the technology didn't exist is I'm going to ask a question. Hey, I'd love to know what's the least expensive weekend between September and December for me to come for a visit. What's available? That and then nice. it's going to give me that information, right? That context. I can ask follow-up questions. I can move to a human being yeah. for a white glove service, or I can move directly to book. We're suddenly with this changing instead of, remember, we've all been trained by the digital interfaces of how we're supposed to act, which is not human. Now the technology gets to be human. And that's an area where all of the data is already public. You don't have to worry about that. Somebody could arrive at those same things. We're just changing how it's communicated. Good
0: point. Very good point. Well, you guys have both been so insightful. Anything else to add from either of you before we go? I mean, we could talk about this for hours. However, you know, this is what we call a mini podcast. Cass, so at some point, we have to step off, and I'm sure we'll have you back again. But anything, last thoughts from either of you guys? You've been great. Um, I really enjoyed the conversation.
1: Thank you, Tracy. Uh, the last thoughts I have are twofold. I would encourage all businesses, small, emerging tech to large, to get on top of having an AI ethics uh, board. It's, from the exec- it's not just the tech group at your company. It should flow all the way from the executive ownership group all the way down to everybody. We need to get on top of this and the last thing the second thing would be fear i would really encourage people to not be fearful um, of it uh, don't be fearful of it replacing jobs and have a fearful based conversation we should look at it as just the next phase of our evolution in technology it started way back with the calculator Uh, Yes, some jobs will be replaced down the road. But really, this is about, you know, adopting, adapting, excuse me, adapting to where technology is going, being open to learning um, new things. So that's where I would go. Let's not have a fear based conversation, but let's uh, Let's encourage learning and
2: encourage
0: the next phase of our human evolution. Good advice, Professor Murphy. Thank you, Jim. Anything last thoughts?
2: Yeah, to add to that, I agree with all that. I think uh, the easy thing would be out of fear to say don't use it at all. The policy is don't touch it. Um, we're seeing, you know, on top of that that board, you want to have policies. You do want to communicate the appropriate use of it, the appropriate Mm -hmm. way to engage with it as an assistant today. Anything that is a public engine, not internal, you obviously IP and data security is probably the most important thing right now. The ethics aside, those are the big ethical issues that are today. But a policy of how to use uh, these tools as they're starting to roll out and how not to use them, is critical. I mean, I I think it's telling that some of the technology companies who actually create these products have (laughs) extremely strong policies internally against putting anything into those public products, their own included. Yeah, Because that fear of what goes into it, the developer who's looking for a way to do a particular thing, if they were to copy and paste intellectual property in there as a way to get an answer that's a big no-no and that's very fearful right versus asking a generic question so those policies with real life examples of what to do and what not to do are critical for every company and uh, organization out there.
0: Yeah, well said, both of you. You guys are on top of it and it's uh, it's an important conversation. I'm glad we're having it. So we'll, we'll continue it. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining us for Tech Talk with VLink. Have a great day and thanks for tuning in.
2: Thanks, Tracy. See nice you. to see you, Jim. You too, John. Always great to see you. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Our time is up. I hope you enjoyed this version of Tech Talk with VLink where we apply our intellect and efforts in engineering powerful experiences for our valued customers.